1: Hey guys, welcome back to the Cowboy Stories. Today's episode is sponsored by the Flying UW Ranch and by the Gable L. Ranch. The Gable L. Ranch raises purebred Angus cattle and you can see what they currently have for sale on their website at gablelranch.com. If you or somebody you know is interested in sponsoring this podcast, please send me an email to cowboystoriespodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you know somebody who would be interested in sitting down and visiting with me for a podcast episode, please send me an email as well to cowboystoriespodcast at gmail.com. But with that being said, let's dive right into today's episode. Today I had the opportunity to visit with Arthur Lyman and he has ranched in Utah, Oregon, and they now currently have a ranch in Arizona i'm excited for you to hear the stories that he has to share and i hope you enjoy First of all, thank you for agreeing to sit down with me and visit a little bit. I've always been kind of intrigued by the river for some reason, the Esclani River, and kind of the history of that. So I'm excited to sit down and have you tell a little bit about the permits and stuff down there and kind of how it got to where nobody runs there anymore. But I don't know if you want to start by telling us a little bit about your childhood or wherever Uh, you kind of want to start.
2: I'll start with the river okay. and then I'll have to back up. Okay. So I'm probably one of the few guys that are still alive that's been on most of the river physically at one time. I've been from Escalante clear to Coyote Gulch at one time or another. Not all the way through at one time. And uh, as far as I understand, Lake Powell has backed up to Coyote Gulch at one time. But that's as far as I've been uh, down there. Uh, okay. The the first time I ever went on the river, I went with Mac Lefevre, who is uh, a friend of my dad's. Uh, he was uh, he was ten years older than my dad, but anyway, it was in 1970 thereabouts. There was a guy from uh, over in San Juan County who was doing a little dude trip. He'd bring in about ten people from all over the United States. And they would, they would hike, and they had done it the year before. They would go to the Harris Crail, and hike down the Harris and go to Coyote Gulch, and back up Coyote Gulch. and it'd take them about 10 or 12 days. But what Mac Lefevre and, and this other old guy, Reeves Baker, who lived in Escalante, they went the first year and they would pack the groceries and the sleeping bags, and they would go so far every day and camp. Well, anyway, the next year, Mac, he decided he needed some help because we had about 10 pack horses. So he called, and I was just kind of bumming around. I was out of high school, but he wanted to know if I'd come and go with him. So I I told him I would. But they couldn't go down the Harris Wash because the ledge had caved off and backed the water up, I don't know how far. And that since has flooded out, but they couldn't go that way. So we went to the 2025 trail. Is there a trail at the 25 where it crosses to go out? Mm -hmm. Well, that's where we went and started with those people. We went down the 25. And and down and and back up Coyote Gulch. We made two trips that that spring with those people. Different people. The second trip, they would walk and hike, and we would pack the groceries on the pack horses, and their sleeping bags. Gosh. <laughs> uh, my most favorite story about the Escalante River is, and it's <laughs> I think it, it it was a joke that showed up on the the series Centennial. These old these. Uh, they used my they used my story. It was my story originally, <laughs> but they was talking about this O.D. Cleaver, them cowboys that was bringing the cows out of Texas to go in uh, uh, north. They was having a bath, and they was talking about this. But I I, I told this to my boys when they were little. Uh, and uh, so anyway, one day Chad and Jared was with me, and we were going down the river on our horses, and they looked. And one of them said, Dad, look right over there under that ledge where the water hits it. There's a brand-new cowboy hat over there floating on the water. And I look over there, and sure enough, there's this cowboy hat over there. So they said, let's go get it. We rode a little closer to the water and looked over there, and sure enough, it was a new cowboy hat. And I said to them boys, I said, you go get it. And they said, no, we're not going to cross that muddy river. And the Esquire River is always a little bit muddy down there. So, yeah, they finally talked me into getting in. Getting my boots off and (laughs) wading over there to this hat to get it. And I get over there and I pull the mud out under this hat a little bit. And it's a nice new hat. And and I kind of moved it and it wouldn't move. So I dig a little bit more underneath there. And pretty soon there's two eyes of a man underneath this hat. So I dig a little bit more and the eyes are blinking. And I'm looking around thinking, (laughs) what's going on? And I dig a little more and I get down to the mouth. And this guy, he looks up at me and he said, dig fast. There's a good horse under me. You get that joke? <laughs> I thought you were being
1: serious. I'm pretty gullible.
2: <laughs> well, anyway, they tell the same joke in that one movie that time, but that's oh. that's that kind of gives you an idea of what what the river entailed. Ah. Oh. Uh, where the 25 comes into the Escalante River it's a sh- sheet of mud and it's the 25s a real narrow canyon right there you almost feel like you can spread your arms out and touch the ledges and they're high but when it hits the river it's just a sh- sheet of mud out there and first time I went with Mac down there with those dudes we kind of just he knew and and, and he kind of would stay again the ledge on this side you just go around and hit and start down the river and he told me one time that they'd come up through there with a bunch of mules, pack mules, and they'd got stuck in the mud and they took the packs off of them and the mules soaked and they couldn't get them through there. And the only way they could get them to come through there is to shove their heads out of the water until they started to fight for air and then they'd start to try it and they got them out of there. But anyway, uh, uh, that's the way we got in. But me and my dad one time uh, w- went down that way and that was when we first went that far with the cattle. It was a different allotment from Silver Falls on down through there, but we bought it, and uh, me and my dad was going down there, and we were coming down the river, and he was off a foot, and I was too, going through the willows. The willows were so thick that we was having to walk, and and I knew it was getting close to the twenty-five because the river gets pretty deep on the left-hand side. And in fact, McVever told me several times that they had had to swim the horses through them pools of water rather than come across that sheet of mud so anyway we're going down there and my dad gets to the end of the bank and parts the willows and there's that big old sheet of mud and I heard him mumble saying something about this is as far as I'm going (laughs) (laughs) and we didn't go any further because he wouldn't go across that sheet of mud but I did yeah. go once after that with Chad, I think. Uh, we had cattle go down that far, and we went across that sheet of mud, went down there and got some cattle one day. But it's it's pretty treacherous to cut, cross that mud. Nice. Uh, all, all kinds of stories in the river, and it's, it's, it's bad, but it's, if you have respect for it, you make out all right. One morning I had a couple of my boys with me, and we was coming from Fence Canyon up the river, with a little bunch of cows, and to go out on Chop Rock Bench, which is on the east side of the river, the cattle had to come up right where the bank ended again the ledge, and there was a trail went in the river, but they had to stay in the river about 100 yards up around, and we'd turn them into the canyon, and they'd go out on Chop Rock. Well, I told them boys, I said, I'm just going to jump my horse in the river here and get out in there so I can keep them so they don't try to c- come across and go on the bank on the other side. Anyway, this big mare I was riding, I got her on the edge, and she just shook her head like that. Like, no way I'm getting, I'm going <laughs> in that water. Like I say, it's muddy, and you can't see the bottom. Well, I put the spurs to her, and she jumped as hard as she could, but the water was deep out there about five or six feet. Her, her feet hit in the deep part, and her nose hit the shallow part. But we both got <laughs> drowned that day. She came out of there. <laughs> I had water clear up my waist. Needless to say, it's wintertime down there. So we got the cow started, oh. and we spent a couple of hours getting me dried out. But she knew she didn't want to go that way. <laughs> but that's one thing that we learned. My boys learned when they were little, is you, you learned where the crossings were at. They uh, they could go. The boys, I mean, the cows would cross maybe some different places, but they know they knew which crossings to go to, so they wouldn't get in the quicksand. Don Coleman's crossing down there. Uh, he got tangled up. He worked for the BLM. He got tangled up, and he went right. He went right straight across. And, and his horse got in the mud, and he jumped off, and it broke his leg in three places. Gosh. But we found, figured out, and you never could see, but we just figured there was a little kind of a crack in the sand rock or something that would fill up with sand. But if you went across there and just kind of stayed above that, you could go across and not get in the mud. And that's, like I say, those type things kept, kept us all out of the, out of the quicksand yeah. uh, for the most part. Uh, Nolan, he hated he hated it, but he was little. He was only about eight years old. He didn't like to go in the river, but he, he wanted to go. So I had him with me one day, and my dad had one of my older boys with him, and we went off Egypt Trail in Fence Canyon, and my dad and whichever one of my boys was with him, they went together some cows uh, on Egypt bench, and I took Nolan with me across the river and went up on the east side on what they call Silver Falls, or Silver, Silver Falls Bench. And the 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 deal was in the spring of the year in March you'd gather those cows off the benches, put them in the river, and then kind of start them, and they'd start drifting up the river. Okay. Anyway, I had Nolan with me, and I was on a little mare uh, that I was breaking the ride, and we went up up and got the cows and brought them in the river. And he he rode an old big third bed horse my dad had that we called him. My dad called him Slats, uh, but anyway, Nolan rode him all the time, and. So we got back in the river and it was getting late. And, and I told Nolan, I said, this little mare is not gonna pack me out of here. I said, we're gonna to have to switch horses. And of course, Nolan, he's just eight years old. And he said, I ain't riding that bronc mare. <laughs> <laughs> and I went, I, my intentions were not to have him ride her. but I, we, we switched saddles and I put his saddle on that little mare and we just turned her loose and let her fall her. And, and I got Nolan on the back of me on old slats and his little arms just around my belly like that. You couldn't have pried Aww. him off my back. <laughs> with a crowbar <laughs> but we went down the river we had to cross the river two or three times and then uh old slats he was ready to get out of there that night too but we got him on a big load we went up and come up fence canyon and it got dark on us but my dad and them up on the top uh of egypt there had built a great big old bonfire so that we could see to come across there and get up get up the trail but like saying cool. no and he 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 was he was hung on me he was good on me tight he wasn't, he wasn't gonna get, let go no. <laughs>
1: So did you guys so you said something about running on the benches and then you'd all push them down into the river yeah
2: so that the the deal is in the river is in the wintertime that gets iced up and those cows will get on those little banks and 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 the old timer said they'll starve to death on those banks well the big i finally figured out the big issue was them cows wouldn't go right there and get them a drink of water because they'd be a little bit of ice it might only be a foot from the bank out but they wouldn't get on that ice and 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 for the most part, those cows kind of trail and they knew, but if we would try to get the biggest part of them out there in December on the benches because a lot of those benches didn't have a lot of water. We'd get them out on the benches. They, if it was snow, they would lick snow for water and this, that, and the other. And then by March, we'd try to get them all kicked back in, oh, okay. in the river. But a lot of that river is you'd follow the trail and the north side of, of the bank which is the south side of, of the ditch or the creek bank, the cattle or the horses would trail across and they'd go out the other side, which would be a little bit steep, but that would ice up. So your horse would get up on that little icy, it might only be two foot jump up the trail, it'd be iced up, they'd slide on it and they'd found around, and they'd fall over backwards and that's what you had to watch. that you didn't get a, get bathed in the, dumped in the water. And like say, we were in, that, in the winter time, yeah. which, was, which was pretty tough. I have rode a horse out on that ice 10 feet out on there and looked off because the water was 10 feet and then you had to jump back up on the ice. There was one time in particular, I had them boys with me. We had to go right out on the ice and and you had to watch because the ice would bust and you'd go in. But we we finally had to jump off in the river itself and it was not that deep, but you couldn't see how deep it was. And then go just a little ways and jump back up on the ice. So it, it was, like say, you had to have a respect for what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I got to where I was welding Borium on the horseshoes, which is kind of a sandy, hard metal that would help them dig in. It would help them somewhat. Yeah. One time uh, in Boulder, where we lived, the Boulder Creek came down through there, and it eventually ended up in the Escline River. But one time, uh, well, my dad had cattle in there, and we'd put them in there in the fall of the year, put a little bunch in there, and they could only go... So far, it was a long ways down there. There was a great big old rock in, the, in kind of a crack, and the cows wouldn't go any further. Well, one time, the flood finally washed that big rock out of the way, and the cattle went down further. And I don't know how come we decided there was cattle that far down in there, but the cattle got down in there, and then they got down a little further, and they couldn't go any further than the creek, and then they got iced in. So we had to go around and down on the east side of Boulder Creek, and my dad knew of an old trail that went off in there. We get down there, and you had to go into Deer Creek to start with, and then just across the way. And I, it was Boulder Creek was froze right over, and I took a, a, a big stump and laid it across the the ice because I didn't dare walk across the ice to get on the other side of the Boulder Boulder Creek itself. Then I'd walk down the ways, and I walked through that cold water and got out on a ledge, and my dad, the old slats horse, he he throwed me his lariat, and I led that horse through the water. And it was pretty deep. (laughs) Then I went down and got the cows, around the cows, and we had to bring them, and I had to bring them right up through that big old deep hole of water. And uh, I had a pair of insulated coveralls bottoms on, and I took them off, and my dad said, I won't build a fire, but he said, I'll have a fire already built here. When you get those cattle up, then I'll hurry and build a fire, and you can get warmed up. Well, I went and got the cattle... I had to try three times to get them to come up through that big deep hole. And my dogs are in there swimming around trying to bite the cows. And I finally got off a foot with my lariat and I was wet clear to my waist. It scared me bad enough. I thought my legs were going to (laughs) freeze. But anyway, we got them out of there. And uh, good thing I had those insulated coveralls and they were dry because I had to take my pants off and we got warmed up. I had to wear old wet boots all the way home that night. But anyway, we saved the cattle. That's
1: good. So would you guys go right from where your dad's place was in Boulder? Could you drive your cow, would you drive them all the way down to the river right from Boulder, or how would you get them? No, to
2: the we would take them down the Birch Trail Road to okay. Deer Creek. Oh, okay. And Deer Creek, there was a, a wire trail down there. We'd crel them that night, and then the next day we would go across King Bench into Ho- Horse Canyon, the lower end of Horse Canyon, and there's a little cabin in Horse Canyon that, that's made out of metal, it was one of them that they couldn't burn it's still there and then it's about a mile or mile and a half or two miles on in the river and there's some benches right there that that my dad had bounds bench and them uh and and about five miles of the river for quite a few years before we bought that stuff that went on down the river farther okay so that's how we got the cows in and out there uh it was it took us three hours to ride horseback from deer creek to that little cabin okay so that's how we got, got into there.
1: How many could you run down there at a time?
2: Uh, the whole river uh, was about 500 head. Bounce bench at one time, they let us go. They'd let them go with 300 head. Okay. Uh, we never did have that many cattle in there. and We didn't go down the river any further than 25. Okay. Nolan's, like I say, Nolan, He, he my dad told him one day, he said, my dad jokingly said that to him. He said, "If if you can get your saddle on those slats, in the morning, I'll I'll start taking you with me." And they just put the horses in the back of, one of those pickups with the racks on. Uh-huh. Well, anyway, Nolan he come to the house and he said, "Dad," he said, "Before you go to work in the morning, will you put my little saddle on slats? Grandpa'll take me with him." <laughs> he liked to go. But anyway, Nolan and I were coming across Bound's Bench one night, and it was a little single-file trail back into Horse Canyon, and we were always after dark coming off that trail. And We was coming along there, and it it had gotten dark, and I said to him, I said, Nolan, I said, I'm going to quit cowboying with you because I said, every time I go with you, it's it's after dark going into Horse Canyon. He he never said a word. We went into Horse Canyon, got in the cabin, and I was lighting the lantern and, and, and got the lantern lit, and he said, it ain't my fault. We're always in the dark. It's your fault. <laughs> uh, so anyway, <clears throat> after we'd been in the in the river there, and I think it was about ninety ninety six, uh, me and my dad, my dad had went and had one of his knees replaced, so he didn't he couldn't go that winter with me. And so I I was working a job. I'd take one of the boys with me on weekends. We'd, we'd just run down there and was checking on the cows. Well, by the 1st of March, my dad, he got brave enough. He said, oh, I'm, I'm ready to go ride again. So I took him with me, and we went down. And, and instead of going right into the Fence Canyon cabin, we hit Egypt Bench, and we went back to the north. And there was a trail that went off in the river right there where the Harris comes in, and that's where we went in. And, and we started gathering those cows up, and we wanted to push them down the river. So... As we started gathering those cows up, we well, I found a dead one, and I went and told my dad. We were kind of gathering the willows and stuff, and I told my dad, I said, found a dead cow over there, and he said, okay, it's not unusual to find a dead cow. And so we go a little bit further, and we find another dead one. And the third one we found was just on a little old trail that went up, up a little sandbank, and she was just bang, just like she was just dead there.
1: In the middle of the trail.
2: Yeah, and, I, and my dad, he's looking at her and saying, hey, there's something not right about this. So we went on down to Fence Canyon, was going to stay in the cabin at Fence Canyon. We get to Fence Canyon, it's just getting dark, and guess what? The cabin's gone. Somebody burned it. So that's when we decided something was, was, was wrong. So we, we got back out of there and got to Escalanian, and I got a hold of the sheriff's department. I think it was a day, it took us a day to get it organized. It may have been the next day, but the vet went with us. Two or three of the county deputies went down in there and and we told them what had happened and so we, we rode off in there and and the vet the first cow we came to was this cow that was just and and the vet autopsied her and and he couldn't find a thing really? she had a calf in her that was about eight months old but just as an afterthought and it was dr king berlin from wayne county mm-hmm. just as an afterthought when we got ready to get on the horses to go up the canyon. He, he he stopped and he had his knife and he peeled that hide off that cow's forehead, just a nice little old 22 bullet hole right between her right here, and it just killed her and that she just dropped right there. Gosh. So that's when we decided. And the county sheriff's outfit had a metal detector. They'd run it all over. They thought that it wouldn't pick up those little 22 leads would just pulverize in their head. Well, until we found a calf that he had shot a baby calf. Then we dug into its head and found a little 22 lead. It hadn't pulverized. But uh, by the time we got through finding what cows we could, we found about 20 of them that this guy had shot. Burnt the two cabins.
1: And where was the other cabin that he burnt?
2: Uh, uh, it was in Silver Falls. Okay. It's a canyon that comes off the boulder side, but it comes in just where the house comes in. Okay. Together. But anyway the park service got involved they brought a helicopter we flew the river uh, just you know and my dad like i say he he had just had that new knee put in in fact the next night we were down there and i heard him scream and i thought oh my gosh what's happened he was coming off the bank on the other side but he had hit that leg on the bank as he sort slid in the river and it just jerked that knee up and it and it it hurt but it, oh. he said I just tested this $100,000 knee of mine, he said. <laughs> but he spent, <clears throat> my dad spent a week down there, and the thing was, I think this was all planned. It was right before spring break when we started finding the dead cows, out, the hikers, the kids from college was coming in there hiking up and down. Mm-hmm. But we figured out uh, the, the guy's footprint. My dad spent a week figuring out how he'd gotten in there, where he'd went, and where he'd come. He, had, he figured that he had... Somebody had let him off on the, on the road that goes into Moody at Silver Falls Canyon. He'd walk down Silver Falls Canyon, walk down the river, shot cows. He'd burned the cabin right there at Silver Falls Canyon. He'd walk down the river past Fence Canyon. He'd walk back up to the Harris Wash, which is right there where Silver Falls come. And he'd hike back up the desert, and somebody picked him up up there on the desert. But this had all happened, and, and he'd long, he, he was long gone. But anyway.
1: And back, did you ever find out? Who it
2: was? No. Or? No, they, uh, I, I, like I say, Julie said about the the stove, somebody has that stove. And I I could look right at the stove in somebody's house and wouldn't be able to recognize it, other than mm-hmm. I know that little back door is not with it. Yeah. But anyway, I, I I, think it was kind of planned. I think somebody knew that my dad was not, because my dad would go alone. Even at that age, he was alone down there a lot. And, uh, and I think they knew that he, he was not able to ride, and, and they just kind of timed it where they knew that nobody was in there. Yeah. So that kind of let the air out of us, running in the river. I mean, the hiker situation, the problem. Your dad dealt with that a little bit Mm and what he was talking about, it just, uh, anyway. And what year did you say that all happened? It was about 1996. And so half of Bounds Bench down the river is in the Glen Canyon Recreation Area. From there up is BLM, but the recreation area, uh they kind of hinted around about it and 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 we we said are you interested in buying that it's worth some money don't come and take it away we're not going we're just not going to go off and forget about it yeah so the the uh recreation area got the Grand Canyon Trust I I don't get into their politics but they got involved with the trust the trust had some money and they recognized those permits of having a value so they bought us out and since then they've done the same thing they was uh, I guess there was only one other permittee just above us Hanson's in Boulder had a little slice of it but they bought them out so they've they've taken all the cattle out of the river and those benches on either side they've retired that Mm -hmm. go ahead
0: so Actually, I think it was like in 1992 that that happened because Joe would only have only been junior in high school. Do
2: you want to go ahead and talk in the microphone?
0: Chad was a senior, no. Okay. So that would have been 1992. And about that time, some other line cabins had been burned up towards the Price area. Oh, really? And this, I, in fact, I have the magazine, but the Southern in Journalist, Utah, Isua. They had this little magazine that had an article in it, and it said that um, it was going on about cattle do not fare well on public lands, and it talked about some other cattle being being shot, and then it talked about these cattle down on the river being shot, and then the ironic thing—I mean, it's not ironic, stupid—it said suicide and foul play have not been ruled out. <laughs> Half the half. <laughs> I know, it was that one crazy cow that got the gun and did them all in, and, but the sad thing was that those <laughs> cows were coming off the river in two weeks, they would have been off and they were all, most of them were heavy with calf or just had brand new calves and it was really a yeah. sad, yeah. sad thing and, and, um, and then not long after that Griffin's cabin got burned and my dad's cabin down, Big Sage got burned and so there was, anyway. So it was, it was really sad to see those baby cows laying in the, in the yeah, yeah. so, bet. On the trail. oh, and just, uh, when they interviewed him, there was this couple, and we have the video, it's not time for everyone to see it, but, of the interview, but there was this young couple there that had been hiking down the river, and, and the, the guy that was interviewing said, well, what are you going to do if they take the cows out of the river because you're hiking on cattle trails? And she said, oh, don't worry. The recreation, the parks people will come down here and cut us a trail. (laughs) You
2: saw how well that worked. So it was kind of a gentleman's agreement that Boulder guys stayed on that side of the river and Escalante stayed on that side of the river. And I don't know, I can't remember who you were interviewing that they told you about the cattle rustling going on. Yeah, yeah. And old Sheffield had made a trail off of uh, the V country, up 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 high up in there, and and he had put some cedar posts in there and he had a wagon road going off in the river and he tried homestead down there. Well, that was one place that they figured that the Boulder guys, I, I'm not saying a whole lot because I, I'm I kind of accusing, but yeah. a couple of guys that had Bounds bench, uh, when I was, a, I mean, it was before my time that the Escalante guys figured those guys were driving those cows off that, Old wagon r- road and putting them on bounds bench till the calves got big enough to wean. Bring the cows that were branded back up and kick them on the desert. So that was kind of the gentleman ag- agreement. But like I say, one of those guys went. They the the judge must told him he had to leave the country because he left. He he grew up in Boulder. He was a little bit older than my dad, but he left and went up into Washington State for a while. I remember when I was a kid when he moved back. Okay. But that was part of the the, the scheming that was going on. But uh, when when they bought the river out, and Dell Lafever and Anthony Coombs had kind of jumped on that side of the river, they come over and bought some of that stuff. And then when when they bought the uh, they bought us out of the river, that's when me and my dad came over on the desert oh, okay. and bought some of that desert stuff up. Okay. So the, and it was kind of getting where that. Where the Escalante Cowboys and the Boulder Cowboys were just kind of dissipating, uh, they were coming in. Steve Sorensen, he's the one that first bought us. But they was kind of gathering a lot of those guys that had 20 or 30 head of cows on the desert and whatever. They were putting all that stuff together, and, and it started to change in hands. Yeah. So it became all right for Boulder guys to, to come over on the Escalante Desert. The other thing about the river, they used to let them guys stay in there until the 15th of June, and then they'd just bring those cows out of there and take them right up on the mountain. But they had cut that back till the 15th of April, so it got pretty oh, really? pretty rough. One last story so that people will understand the responsibility that we dump on our kids sometimes, that they just have to do it. And and you guys know it. My kids know it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But uh, we used to get those cows into Horse Canyon. We had a fence. They couldn't go back in the river. We'd overnight them there, and then we'd bring them out up the trail. But, uh we were down there gathering those cows, and we had one heifer that I had bought and don't buy bought and cows and take them. But anyway, she she was pretty poor, and we left her for dead. I thought she was dead. I could see her underneath the thicket. She was just laid out flat, and I could see where her legs had been kicking. And when we gathered those cows the next morning, I just told my dad, I said, she's dead. And so we went out there. A week later, my dad goes back, and guess what? That heifer's still alive, and she's down by the cabin. She didn't go very far from the cabin because that's where she had to get a drink of water. Well, she's down there having a calf, but she was hung up. So my dad had gone down there to do something. He had two horses with him, and, and he began to help the heifer. Then he's pulling the calf out of her, and he has a heart attack right there. When he comes to, his horses had wandered over to the krail and he goes in the cabin, and he don't know what's wrong with him. In fact, when he, when he got out of there, he didn't know. But anyway, he gets in the cabin, but he couldn't get his wind. He didn't sleep, so he leaves a little note for us to find if something happens to him in the cabin. He's telling us that he can't breathe, he's spitting up a little bit of blood, whatever. So the next morning, he's still alive. He, he said, I couldn't go to sleep. So he catches his saddle horse's horse, leaves the other horse in the trail. He said, I don't want that other horse along jogging making my horse you know yeah and he had rode down horse canyon usually he'd come across the bench but he brought his pickup and rode down horse canyon so he gets on his horse and he rides his horse 13 miles up horse canyon to his pickup loads him in the pickup he starts up the bird trail road and he has to stop two or three times because he's faint and he just like say he still don't know what's wrong with him so he gets home and they get him on oxygen, and we get him to Provo, and he's in the hospital in Provo for four or five days before they figure out that his one valve in his heart is not opening up enough to let the blood circulate through his... Well, anyway, that night when we get him to Provo, I knew my dad's other horse was in that crail down there, so I I tell Chad and Jolene, and Chad's just old enough to have a driver's license, I said, take the four-wheeler, go unload it at Horse Canyon, drive down there, and... and and take that horse that's in the trail bring her up to where the trail goes out and just start her up that way and, and and she'll come home and just before I hung up the phone just as an afterthought I told Chad I said Chad take my 357 pistol down there and if by chance that heifer is still alive shoot her because I know that she's, she'll never get up
1: Yeah.
2: so him and Jolene went and done that and when they get down there lo and behold that heifer is still alive so they had to, to, to dispose of her because, I, like I say, she couldn't get up. So there's mm-hmm. some things that little farm and ranch kids have to do because of necessity. I was in Provo with my dad and whatever. Yeah. Okay.
1: And it's kind of cool that they like they go with you enough and they know what it is enough to yeah. be able to go do that on their own. Like it's kind of a cool thing to right. to have your kids be able to have that knowledge to go do stuff
2: like that. My dad and LeFevre would go down there as, when they got older. And they were old, old enough, we'd stack the hay up on a, a ledge above the corral. They couldn't get up on the ledge to throw the hay down to the horse. So guess who they took with them? Chad, when he's eight years old, down there just to climb up the ledge. And Chad could go ride horse with him, but he'd get up on the ledge and throw the hay down there to the that's horses. Cool. So anyway. All right, that's my Esquire River stories for today. Perfect.
1: That was perfect. That concludes part one of my interview with Arthur Lyman. Part two will be coming out in two weeks. Stay tuned.